Hey Crypt Keepers, I want to tell you about our exciting new affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t-shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month you will receive a new paranormal soft style tea and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. You'll also find clues to next month's theme. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. The shirts are unique. They're pretty dope with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines, and a really cool Battle of Los Angeles tee. That's one I'm hoping I will get here sometime soon. The designs are silk screened onto a soft style tee that's super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt, you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. That's right, each shirt contains a secret password. It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. Get your exclusive link in the show notes, and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so you can support the show while getting cool swag with mysteries in the process. Alright, good evening Crypt Keepers and welcome to another episode of Cryptique, your 100% free window into the paranormal, conspiracy theories, hidden history, forbidden knowledge, and so much more. We ask that you like, subscribe, and share on your social media. Click that Parabox link in the show notes to find out about an amazing t-shirt mystery subscription service. All right, I'm joined as always by a man who used his Adam's apple to make an apple teeny. Ryan, what's up? Hmm. Not a lot, man. Well, that shows your dedication, you know, to your service that you provide. Well, let's get to it. What are we talking about tonight? Tonight, we are talking about the Black Knight Satellite Conspiracy Theory. Or fact. Mm-hmm. Since we've said conspiracy theories, it's one of those thought-canceling cliches. Uh, anyway, the Black Knight Satellite Conspiracy Theory claims that a spacecraft of extraterrestrial origin is in near-polar orbit of the Earth, and that NASA is covering up its existence and origin. This conspiracy theory combines several unrelated stories into one narrative. A photo taken during the STS-88 mission claimed by some to show the Black Knight satellite is cataloged by NASA as a photo of space debris, and space journalist James Oberg considers it as probable debris of a thermal blanket confirmed as lost during the mission. You want to you wanna open the door and toss this thermal blanket out? I don't know. It just seems odd to me. I, I guess, you know, they probably shoot space junk out of the... Like airlock or whatever, yeah. According to some UFO conspiracists, the Black Knight is an artificial satellite of extraterrestrial origin that has orbited, orbited? orbited <laughs> Earth for approximately 13,000 years. The satellite story is likely a conflation of several disconnected stories about various objects and their interpretations, all of them well-documented independently and none using the term Black Knight upon their first publication. According to Senior Education Support Officer Martina Redpath of Armagh Planetarium in Northern Ireland, so I'm sure that's pronounced some strange way, because <laughs> <laughs> they... 
There are yeah. some really weird spellings where it just looks like somebody dumped out a bunch of Scrabble tiles and they're like, oh, yeah. my name's Lynn. It's like, well, why is there like a T-G-H in that? Right. Like, where does that Why happen? are there seven vowels in your name? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Black Knight... Black Knight is a jumble of completely unrelated stories, reporting of unusual science observations, authors promoting fringe ideas, classified spy satellites, and people overinterpreting photos. These ingredients have been chopped up, stirred together, and stewed on the internet to one rambling and inconsistent dollop of myth. Dollop of myth. Oh, I love that. That is That's so another. good. Not even. I don't even know if it's a good band name. It's just we should change our name. Dollop of myth. myth. Oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> the, or we can do like a subscription service where you like get access to our most recent season. Like, oh, you're on the dollop of myth package. You get just the most recent season. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The, the origin of the Black Knight legend is often retrospectively dated back to natural extraterrestrial repeating sources supposedly heard during the 1899 radio experiments of Nikola Tesla and long-delayed echoes first heard by amateur radio operator Jorgen Halls in Oslo, Norway in 1928. Brian Dunning of the Skeptoid podcast attributes Tesla's 1899 radio signals to pulsars which were not identified until 1968. In 1954, UFO researcher Donald Kehoe told newspapers that the United States Air Force had reported that two satellites orbiting Earth had been detected. At that time, no country had the technology to launch a satellite. Skeptics have noted that Kehoe had been promoting a UFO book at the time, and the news stories were likely written tongue-in-cheek and not intended to be taken seriously. A British rocket called the Black Knight Rocket was used in conjunction with the Blue Streak missile program between 1958 and 1965 to test re-entry vehicles. A Black Knight satellite launcher project announced in 1964 was considered a priority by the Ministry of Aviation. The program never put anything into orbit, and it is unrelated to the Black Knight satellite legend. In February of 1960, Time reported that the U.S. Navy had detected a dark object thought to be a Soviet spy satellite in orbit. A follow-up article confirmed that the object was the remains of an Air Force Discoverer 8 satellite that had gone astray. In 1963, astronaut Gordon Cooper supposedly reported a UFO sighting during his 15th orbit in Mercury 9 that was confirmed by tracking stations, but there is no evidence that this happened. Neither NASA's mission transcripts nor Cooper's personal copies show any such report being made during the orbit. In 1973, Scottish author Duncan Lunan analyzed the long-delayed radio echoes received by Halls and others and speculated that they could possibly originate from a 13,000-year-old alien probe located in an orbit around Earth's moon. That is strangely specific. Yes. He suggested that the probe may have originated from a planet located in the solar system of star Epsilon <laughs> Boudis? Boudis? Booties. I think it's Booties. Booties. Okay. Yeah, there's, uh, what is that, an umlaut? What is that? O-O with the two dots above it, T-I-S. Yeah, I don't remember so what it'd that be like Bo- is called. Boudis? Boudis. Boudis. Why don't you just you add another like- vowel? I mean, why do they have to do shit like that? Why? Uh, why? Don't you know it's hard for us Americans? It is. We speak American, okay? We speak American. 
Lunin later retracted his conclusion, saying that he made outright errors and that his methods had been unscientific. Good for him. Space debris, yeah, space debris photographed in 1998 during the STS-88 mission has been widely claimed to be the Black Knight satellite. Let's get to the truth about the Black Knight satellite. Some believe it's an extraterrestrial spacecraft. NASA says it's probably space junk. The space agency refers to the strange entity as item STS-088-724-66 in its catalog of space junk floating in low Earth orbit, which is within 1,200 miles. Jerry Ross, an astronaut who took part in that mission, says that the object is a wayward thermal blanket that broke loose while his team tried to attach an American module to a Russian module on the ISS. But... For a small devoted following, it's a 13,000-year-old artificially made satellite known as the Black Knight Satellite. So, could this peculiar object really have come from ancient aliens? I'm not saying it's aliens, but it was aliens. Mm. Or is it just an innocuous piece of space debris? The facts surrounding the Black Knight Satellite are cobbled together from a number of tales, so they say. Uh, we covered Nikola Tesla and... His experiments were in 19, or 1899, excuse me, in Colorado Springs. Martians, he believed, were attempting to communicate with humans through numbers since they're a universal language. I don't know. Did he? Do you think that he really said, I think it's Martians? I, I mean, this man was a genius. I, I don't, I can't imagine him being like, oh, it's Martians. He had a lot of pretty wild ideas. I mean, and it was at one point, as far as I can tell, it was fairly common to believe that Mars was inhabited. Really? Because if you look at it, there are patterns and things that I've seen like these old articles and photos where they're like, oh, this is Mars. This is probably where they have like, you know, these patterns are rivers or irrigation or farmland or whatever else. Mm -hmm. I don't know how true that is. That's kind of one of those things where it's like there, there are just aspects of history that are kind of lost to us. Yeah, my understanding is that back in the 1800s, it was not that uncommon to think that Mars was inhabited. Interesting. I did not know that. Well, in a February 1901 Collier's Weekly article, Tesla recounted his experience and said, quote, The changes I noted were taking place periodically and with such a clear suggestion of number and order that they were not traceable to any cause then known to me. The feeling is constantly growing on me that I had been the first to hear the greeting of one planet to another. Black Knight truthers cite this as the first sign of their satellite, which sent the radio pulses. Scientists have since determined that those radio pulses were most likely naturally occurring signals that space objects emit while in orbit. Sounds weird, but, you know, I guess that's a thing. Hmm. The prevailing theory, while still unlikely, is that Tesla heard a pulsar or a faraway celestial body that emits regular pulses of radio waves. Sure, the Black Knight could have emitted such pulses, but that still doesn't make it alien in nature. Still, the theory that aliens were communicating with Earth through radio pulses propagated even further in 1927 when civil engineer and ham radio operator Jorgen Halls stumbled upon an unusual quality to his radio signal. As he transmitted from his home in Oslo, the signals would unexpectedly return to him moments later. House perceived this as an alien phenomenon. 
Nearly 50 years later, an article in Analog Science Fiction and Fact tried to make sense of Powell's radio echoes. The author, Duncan Lunan, posited that a 13,000-year-old object orbiting the moon could have led to the long-delayed echoes, the 13,000 figure having to do with the positioning of the North Pole Star, Polaris. No, that's just interesting, because I was wondering, like, where does this 13,000-year number come from? Like I said before, it's very specific. Strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said, I tried plotting the delay times against the order in which the echoes were received. And at only the second attempt, I found what looked like a star map, Lunin said in 1998. However, we now recognize those signals as long-delayed echoes that you can hear about 2.7 seconds or more after a radio transmission. And Lunin has since distanced himself from the Black Knight theory. One more bit of disjointed speculation. In 1960, Time published a story noting that the U.S. Navy had detected an unidentified satellite that may have been a piece of Soviet spy technology. It turned out to be a broken-off piece of the Discoverer 5, an early U.S. photo reconnaissance or spy satellite. But believers still point to this as definitive proof. Like any good conspiracy theory, the Black Knight satellite has a few fun hooks, plus some high-profile boosts that add a sheen of credibility to the story. In 1963, for instance, Project Mercury astronaut Gordon Cooper supposedly reported seeing a UFO during his 15th orbit while aboard the Faith 7 spacecraft, according to the UK's Armagh Observatory and Planetarium. Never mind that Cooper has since produced transcripts to the contrary, stating that he never saw an alien spacecraft during that particular mission, Black Knight devotees still include this history in the conspiracy theory origin story. It's astonishing that there aren't more conspiracy theories about stuff in space. But the Black Knight satellite is almost certainly the series of discrete events that explain it away. Tesla hearing pulsars or some other natural signal, Halls receiving an echo, time reporting on a secret U.S. government satellite in good faith, and the astronauts of the ISS seeing a lost blanket in orbit. From a psychological perspective, it makes sense that people want to believe in the Black Knight satellite, says Alice Gorman, Ph.D., an associate professor at Flinders University in Adelaide, Australia, who studies space archaeology, which is a dope-sounding profession. Yeah. It's really difficult to see details on stuff in Earth's orbit, even through really high-powered telescopes. Which is amazing to me. That makes no sense. Why is it really difficult to see details on stuff in Earth's orbit when they can see details on things that are supposedly millions of miles away? So I have a theory about that. I think that might have to do with, I mean, if they work anything like camera lenses. Like how fast they're moving? Not not so much that as the like focal length. Uh-huh. Because the kind of lens, you know, like a 270 millimeter lens that you would use for wildlife photography. Uh-huh. It is meant to focus on things very far away. Uh -huh. So no matter how you adjust it, if you're trying to take a picture of something really close, like use it for like a macro shot of something very close to you. It's not going to work. Yeah, it just won't be able to focus on it. Right. It just, it's not meant to be able to do that. It's a different kind of thing. Although it does raise the question of, well, two questions, I guess. Just use a different lens. Yeah. Do they work that way? And also, why have you not created a, shorter focal length lens for telescopes that will focus right. on stuff. I mean, that seems like something that would be really useful, especially if we're worried about, you know, objects that foreign countries or, you know, right. enemy militaries are putting in space. Agreed. 
when you can't see it, then you can imagine anything about it, is the end of her quote. Mm -hmm. While NASA and other space organizations keep catalogs of the space debris that they encounter, their lists are still incomplete and dependent on nations sharing sometimes sensitive data. There's stuff that might have a catalog number, but we don't actually know what it is, she says. That makes it a bit easier to say, well, here's this mysterious object that comes from somewhere else. As for the photo that supposedly depicts the Black Knight, we'll get to that after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Gorman says that because the image shows a large cross-section of the thermal blanket in orbit, it looks to the human eye like a large, solid object. My theory on it? It's the real Batcave. The image could be nothing more than an optical illusion, which isn't too shocking when you consider that people also commonly mistake birds and airplanes for UFOs, she says. What the fuck are you talking about? I have never heard, like... Somebody be like, oh, it was either an <laughs> eagle or someone from Zeta Reticuli. I mean, that sounds like an absolutely dismissive statement. Yeah. It sounds like she really hasn't done any research into things that people may mistake for UFOs. And I a disc, yeah, a disc landed in the middle of the field and four hot Pleiadians got out. <laughs> so it was like, no, that was just a flock of birds and four exceptionally tall hot crows yeah it was uh storks delivering babies yes um, it was blonde nordic looking storks <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is it does make me happy to look back and we'd never said when this did we say when this article came out um I'm, I'm uh, i don't know that now. we did uh no i don't have a date on it but i do love looking back and I just want to find these people and be like, oh, oh, so what about what about the Tic Tac? Is that a bird? Is that a bird flying 700,000 miles an hour and fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah, going into the F. ocean? and Right. Outrunning a Super Hornet or whatever it was. Right. Okay. So that's ridiculous. But And there's this glaring hole in the Black Knight satellite conspiracy theory. How does an object stay in orbit for 13,000 years? Well, you have to use fuel and have rocket engines and stuff just to stay up there. Is this some amazing new propulsion system that we don't know anything about yet on Earth, Gorman wonders? But it makes me think, well, you're kind of saying that this isn't just a piece of space debris. Because if it was just a piece of space debris, it would eventually go out of orbit. And plus, it's a polar orbit. There's hardly anything that's on a polar orbit, right? So it seems like she's really going against herself. Yeah. So how the Black Knight could exist. Let's pretend for a moment that the Black Knight satellite really does exist. How could it slip by unnoticed for 13,000 years? Gorman has a few ideas. The first, mimic one of the small pieces of space junk that are no larger than 10 centimeters in size. Space organizations exercise more scrutiny over larger objects, which makes sense. We also didn't have a space agency on Earth that we know of for 13,000 years. Right. They've been around for like the last, what, 70, 80, maybe? Well, probably longer than that, but yeah, like to our knowledge. 
Yeah, to our, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, I'm kind of erring on the side of caution that it's like as long as there's been a publicly known attempt to do it, probably. Yeah. We're going to assume that aliens have much more advanced technology than us, so something that size could be just as advanced as something the size of a house, especially when you look at it now in terms of, like, your phone, right? I mean, your phone has way more capabilities than what they allegedly took to the moon. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, I read that the, yeah, it's like the processor that ran the computers for the Apollo mission was, like, as powerful as what you'd find in a Furby. Yeah. What's that? Me up. It's my Furby. Furby loves you love and Tickle me. Furby, the first giga pet oh, you pet. Or it, there's a great, I don't remember when it came out. It was like in the 50s or something. There was an issue of um, Popular Mechanics that showed mm-hmm. what a home computer may look like by the year 2000. Uh-huh. And it was, it's so funny. It's so cool looking. Like, it's very steampunk. It looks like something out of Fallout. <laughs> it's uh, it's like this giant thing. It's like the size of an entire room. And there's, like, mm-hmm. wheels and dials and all kinds. It's like you're steering a ship with it. And there's, like, printers and a couple screens. And it's just like, and I'm sitting there with my, like, HP laptop, you know, mm-hmm. emulating original N- Nintendo games or whatever. Not having to take up an entire room. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just... Things, at least in certain directions, get advanced so much faster than we even think. Right. I mean, it's something that I've thought about recently. Like, I see so many people who just, they're just on their phones all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of thought about people who try to stop their children from using phones until they're, like, in high school or even after high school, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we changed from a point where I was going into college when I saw my first iPhone or, like, smartphone. Yeah, You know, I I didn't have a smartphone myself until, I mean, pretty early, like 2009. But it didn't become a thing where everybody had one, and that was the primary way to communicate until I was grown. You know, I was an adult by the time that happened, and now kids, like the way they grow up today is going to be entirely different because technology moved so quickly. Yeah, I forget what they call us. Uh, We had an analog childhood and a digital adulthood and we're the only people that have gone through that which makes us special (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i grew up i grew up when i would go to my friend's house they still used a rotary phone yeah if i needed to call home to be like hey i'm gonna be home later or can i stay the night over here rotary dial right i don't know it doesn't seem special but it's one of these things that i've noticed in the bar as well like i have a an old crt tv Mm -hmm. with an n64 super nintendo and a genesis hooked up to it that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. But I watch these people come in. Like, anybody under 30 does not know how to use them. Yeah. Like, I watch people just, like, drop the cartridge into the slot or, like, the wrong... Like, they'll take an N64 cartridge and kind of drop Damn it into it. the Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. I watched... Somebody brought their kid in the other day who had a, like, comical mullet. Oh, God. They're trying to bring him back. Horrible mullet. And he, like was trying to put the wrong cartridges in the wrong systems and then just like yanking it out of the super nintendo not hitting the eject button just mm. did you beat his ass no smash that mullet yeah just come up behind him with scissors and just cut the mullet <laughs> off anybody out there that's trying to bring the mullet back we're not having it we're not letting it happen that that was our 
haircut. That and the rat tail. Oh my god. Never coming yeah. back. It's over. It's one of these things where technologies move so quickly, there's entire like generations of things that you could have just missed if mm-hmm. you weren't paying attention, or if you're like, nah, I'm still good playing on my like Commodore 64 or whatever, whatever yeah. you had. Hold on, I gotta feed my Tamagotchi. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I completely missed this cartridge-based era of video games, or, you know, I never heard of that, or whatever. Like, your parents, like, you might have been born too late, and your parents might have been born too early, and you missed an entire range of technology. Anyway. True. I just, it's always, it's always one of these things that bothers me to hear that, like, oh, that's not possible. Yeah. That's not scientifically possible. Like, we, right. we could never get to a point of technology where we could do that. Right. It's like in my house, I have motion sensors that turn on my lights for me when I walk down certain hallways that I set up. They were super cheap. I even have them set to be like bright during the day and dim at night. Those are things that people would be like, no, you'll never be able to do that at home. Right. Just like 30, 20, even 20 years ago. Yeah. And now, now you can do anything from your phone. Yeah. Just being like, oh, it's not technically possible. It's like we are finding new things that we thought were not possible every day. Yep. So if you guys are out there and you haven't experienced like the original Nintendo or the original Atari or, you know, even up to PlayStation 2 and stuff like that, go check out the loading bar and hop onto one of those games. It's fun. It's different. You know, I mean, pinball isn't as cool as meta, but it's still cool and it's still cool to get that experience. You know, it's like you can drive around in a fucking uh, hybrid uh, with Prius. Yeah, you can drive around in one of those and that's up to date. That's the most, you know, technology we have. But there's something special about, you know, a 64 Mustang convertible. And it may be, you know, it maybe has 120 horsepower, but there's something different and something special and nostalgic and and unique about it and i think that that can be applied to technology in a lot of ways too yeah i agree let's jump back into this to avoid collisions with other scraps of space junk aliens could develop miniaturized force field technology to keep their probe from getting hit corman says and i don't think we really have to do a whole lot of figuring as my uh, stepdad would say let me do some figuring if this culture was advanced enough to send a miniature satellite into polar orbit around another planet, yeah, their technology is way ahead of ours. And why wouldn't they have miniaturized force fields and things that we don't even know about yet? Thinking long term, there's the possibility that Earth could eventually have its own ring system made up entirely of space junk in the graveyard orbit about 190 miles above most working satellites. I love that. I love that idea. Graveyard orbit? No, just that we would eventually have... Well, yeah, graveyard orbit, but that we would have rings from our trash? It's inevitable. You know, we talk about how fast things break now, and, you know, they're going to have to do something. If and when the graveyard orbit comes, the Black Knight will have a decision to make. Will it join this ring and risk detection? Or run away and hide. Final thoughts? I've seen pictures of the Black Knight satellite. Mm-hmm. I don't... When they say thermal blanket, I'm wondering if they mean something that is meant to... Like a, a part of a spacecraft or 
space sure. station from something. Or if they just mean the tin foil blanket you throw in your pack when you go hike. Yeah, that because that's what I immediately think of. I, right. I think that's how it's presented, is that's what it is. I, I really, that's my feeling, is that they're saying this is a blanket of, you know, reflective material, and it's not going to wave, move, change in shape, or anything like that. No, it looks like they are on the outside of some of these craft. Uh, the NASA page on thermal blankets. Oh, you can't believe anything NASA says. Sorry. <sighs> yeah, it says that they're fitted to spacecraft while they're assembling them in the clean room. Mm. Uh, it says that it requires meticulous old world skills and high tech materials because they have to like sew everything, but they're saying that in essence, the purpose of the blankets is to keep temperatures on board the spacecraft at room temperature. In space, temperatures on the unblanketed portions of spacecraft will range from 482 to minus 364 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So it could be a piece of that that broke off of something else. Because I've seen the displays and I've seen like Boeing's, you know, there's like they've got these museums that you can go into where you can see spacecraft. And they always have that kind of aluminum looking stuff on the outside. Mm -hmm. That's apparently what this is. So it could be a chunk of that. And I... I don't know what I'm thinking of is seeing, you know, plastic and shit floating around underwater, mm -hmm. which is probably the most kind of similar environment to space that we could see here. Well, there's a lot of people that believe that space is a liquid. It's just extremely thin. Hmm. But anyway, go ahead. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you'll just see something floating along and it holds its shape. If there's nothing it to like act upon it. So it could be that it, it is some kind of thermal blanket that is just maintaining sort of a basic shape. But would it be able to maintain its shape for as long as it's been detected? I mean, I've only seen basically like three or four pictures of the Black Knight satellite, and they're all they all look like the same exact photo, like you know, yeah changed up a little bit but yeah it does look like the same thing but from maybe slightly different angles and i it i don't know it doesn't it doesn't look like a thermal blanket to me mm -hmm. it looks like some kind of object and it, it's angular in kind of a strange way yeah that's almost like out of a sci-fi you know type show or movie where it's like our technology looks the way it looks and another civilization might have a totally different aesthetic and that's kind of what it, it looks like to me, just a different way of building things. Yeah, I mean, to me, it looks like something Darth Vader put there, you know, like mm -hmm. kind of a maybe a broken off piece of a ship or something like that. I'm not sure that it would keep the same shape. I, I don't know what the official word is on, on things that can bend and stuff like that. I would think that there would have to be something that it would interact with at some point that would change its shape. Yeah. I also can't help but wonder how much one of those things costs. I mean, we know that NASA's budget is insane. And I just wonder, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's a thermal blanket. Yeah, it was about $14 million floating mm -hmm. out there. <laughs> if I had to put money on it, I would say satellite. I, I think yeah. it could very well be something that the United States or another country has put up there and they're like, dude, it's a blanket, you dumbass. What are you worried about? 
meanwhile it's like sending back all this information like oh iran did this and you know putin did this and blah 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 blah. so (laughs) who knows i mean we'll find out one day right probably maybe not us but our kids and grandkids i i think it could be one of those strategies to discredit something by making it sound ridiculous to say that oh people claim it's a thirteen thousand year old thing that's from this specific place right the idea that it's just this weird thing that some astronauts saw mm-hmm. it it in the way it looks makes it much more credible that it's you know it doesn't have to be alien right it could be something of ours it could be something of israel's russia england like who knows china Go to the show notes and click the Parabox link to get some dope gear and you get a mystery to solve. Share us on your favorite social media sites. It only takes a second to share, but you'd be helping us immensely. When we buy advertising, it gets attached to random podcasts so we could buy a commercial and get advertised on a show about money management or makeup tutorials. You see the problem, so post us up. Check out Movie Hell and we'll see you next week on Cryptique. Stay tuned for the after party to hear the story of a creepy Turkish museum which is truly one of a kind. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Hey, Crypt Keepers, I want to tell you about our exciting new affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t-shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month you will receive a new paranormal soft style tea and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. You'll also find clues to next month's theme. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. The shirts are unique. They're pretty dope with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines, and a really cool Battle of Los Angeles tea. That's one I'm hoping I will get here sometime soon. The designs are silk screened onto a soft style tee that's super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair of box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt, you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. That's right, each shirt contains a secret password. It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. Get your exclusive link in the show notes, and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so you can support the show while getting cool swag with mysteries in the process. Welcome to the after party. Let's talk about that crazy museum. Tell us about it. Because these names have your name written all over them. (laughs) Okay. The Hair Museum, located in Cappadocia in central Anatolia's Nevesheer province, oh my God, is attracting many visitors as one of the most unique museums in the world. The journey of the museum started when Galip Korakue. That's <laughs> <laughs> good enough. Oh man, these are it's bad. You have to understand, guys. This has. Um, marks that we've never seen before like there's a a comma under a c so there's a lot of of accent marks here the pottery master and 
Nevsahir's Avanos district cut a lock of hair from a French female tourist visiting his workshop in 1979 and hung it on the wall. Creepy. The hair museum, a little creepy, has grown over time as other female tourists who came to the workshop also left a lock of their own hair. Galip holds the 1998 Guinness Book of World Records in which the hair museum is included. The hair samples from tens of thousands of women at the museum which was included in the Guinness Book of World Records in 1998, have attracted the interest of guests visiting the area. I can't help but think of this guy as like laying on the ground and just covering himself up with all these locks of hair and like (laughs) swimming around in it like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, you know, like (laughs) smoking some hashish or whatever they do in (laughs) Turkey. Yeah. Speaking to Anadolu Agency, Galip said when he hung the lock of hair on the wall of the workshop decades ago, he never imagined it would have developed into something so impressive. (laughs) According to Galip, he has the names and contact information for the individuals whose hair is on display in the museum. Over the years, he has done a drawing of 10 names from those who left their hair and gifted the winners a week-long Cappadocia holiday every year, indicating that the museum entrance fee is some amount. Three Turkish currency, bucks. Three Turkish pesos. L- Lira, I'm, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. Galip noted, I met a French girl in 1979 and I wanted a lock of her hair when she was on the way back to her country because her hair was so beautiful. After writing her name and address on a piece of paper, she hung the hair on the wall of the workshop. This is like a step above or below feet pics. I cannot tell. Well, it's a good thing he didn't like freckles. Yeah, <laughs> he cut a slice of skin off and hung it on yeah. his wall. Then this hair caught the attention of another female tourist, and she left a lock of her hair, too. Then we started getting hair from other female tourists who came here, and that is what happened. Mentioning the museum's inclusions in the Guinness Book of World Record, Galip said, I took it because her hair was so beautiful, but I never thought it would turn into a museum like this. When the collection of hair started growing here, I started to draw lots. Now, before, hold on, before we go on, this museum that we speak of is, it basically looks like a cave with a bunch of ponytails hanging off of it. Yeah. Yeah, it would be like a kill room in an episode (laughs) of True Crime or something. Yeah. I, I picked a lock of hair at random, contacted the people whose name and contact details were written on it, and invited them to Cappadocia for a week, covering all their expenses. Tourists who come to the area love it when they visit it. We do not allow photography because the hair in the museum has personal information near it. Whew, Fatma Fato, Fatolenazad, an Iranian tourist who left a lock of her hair while visiting the museum, stressed that the museum is interesting. Adding, when I saw this place on the internet, I wanted to see it, and I left my hair here. Maybe my kids will come here 10 years later and see my hair here. It is a great feeling. I think that's great, because like you always hear translations where people are like, it's just so basic what they say, you know, like, I wanted to see it. I left my hair here. Maybe my kids will come here 10 years later and see my hair here. It is a great feeling. Like, really? Like, your kids are going to go and be like, oh, mom left her hair here. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, let's get that guy with the mullet and cut his mullet off and hang it up on the wall, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping all of my hair. Well, not really, but I'm I'm trying. So, sorry. Yeah, we need to keep sponsorship next. 
Right. All right. A- any final thoughts on the hair museum? Uh, I think I'm going to start a feet picks museum. I'm going to try right. to one up this guy. Hey, I'm not saying I'm into it. I'm saying I'm trying to one up him in creepiness. But you don't have the actual feet that would do it. That would that would more than one up him. I'm sure. Yes. Maybe maybe you could uh, talk people into shaving toe knuckle hair for you. Oh God. There like, you go. Oh, all these I people here with hobbit feet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a creepy thing, but it's funny. I thought it would make a cool after party, so we hope you guys liked it. <laughs> Post us up on your favorite social media sites. Check out the Parabox link in the show notes. And we will see you soon on the next episode of Cryptique. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. <laughs>